Welcome to the Staying Ageless podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Associate E. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be talking again about how to heal fibroids naturally using holistic means. To get this longevity party started, we'll delve into the fundamental elements that play a pivotal role in effectively addressing fibroids naturally. And later today, we'll be chatting with our special expert guest, again, Dr. Alan Warshawski, a board-certified OBGYN who practices integrative holistic medicine. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in the United Arab Emirates, the USA, the UK, Ireland, Spain, Uganda, South Africa, France, Germany, Australia, and much more. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Hey, y'all. Hey, happy new year again. Today, we're talking again about healing fibroids, but we're going to talk about it from a holistic perspective this time. Our first episode on this topic has been one of the most popular shows on this podcast. And if you have not listened to it, I highly recommend you hit on back because it has a lot of context and amazing information. And we had the same guest. So I'm really excited to have him back on the show again. So if you haven't listened to How to Heal Fibroids Naturally Part 1, please roll on back and listen to that and then catch yourself up <laughs> because it's such a good episode. There was so much great information discussed in that, um, in that episode. Um, it's the beginning of the year and many women are still struggling with hormonal imbalance. So I really wanted to go in on fibroids again. And I really wanted to have Dr. Wachowski's back, back again. So I'm really, really, really excited about today's show. Um, in the first installment of this topic, we broke down what are fibroids, what are the five components of a comprehensive fibroid healing program, and much more. In this episode, I want to talk about some of the lesser known things that you can focus on to assist with healing fibroids and some of the signs and symptoms you can also look out for. Really quick recap, uterine fibroids, medically known as uterine leomyomas, are benign tumors that arise from smooth muscle tissue cells located in or around your uterus. They are a prevalent women's health issue that affect many individuals during their reproductive years. These are non-cancerous growths that can vary in size, number, and location. And generally, they can be found, the different types or you know locations they can be found in are submucosal, which are inside the uterus, usually in the birth canal, intramural fibroids, which are usually in the uterine wall, subserosal fibroids outside of the uterus, uterus, and some grow on branches that are connected to the inside or outside of the organ, and these are called pedunculated fibroids. And while fibroids are typically benign, they can cause a range of symptoms that are exceptionally uncomfortable, child. Well, what causes them? Well, each individual is going to have a specific root cause or inciting incidents that can be multifactorial. I mean, combination of genetic, hormonal, environmental factors, definitely diet, I see poor diet, the use of birth control, plan B, um, excessive synthetic hormones, high stress and traumatic events or trauma, sexual trauma, like a lot of women who've been molested, coupled with poor diet and lifestyle. All of these are factors that I've seen in many of my clients. Fibroids 
can cause a variety of signs and symptoms and their severity can vary from person to person. I've had some clients who had no idea they had fibroids because their periods were actually completely normal. So they didn't have the heavy bleeding or the discomfort and it was news to them. They had no clue um, it was a thing, but they still had fibroids. Um, Some individuals with fibroids may experience no symptoms at all, but you can look out for these because most do have some symptoms. So you want to look out for heavy menstrual bleeding. This is one of the most common symptoms. Excessively heavy menstrual periods, um, often with the need to change tampons or pads very, very frequently, or you know, maybe afraid of accidents on your cycle. All of that is not normal. You shouldn't be bleeding to the point where you feel like you're going to have an accident or can't leave your house, which some of my clients actually feel like that is their case when they first start working with us. If you're having prolonged menstrual periods, so if your menstrual period is lasting longer than a week, this also might be a sign of fibroids. So you might want to get checked out if you're noticing, my period is 10 days, my period is 12 days, not normal. Definitely want to deal with that. Um, even if you're also noticing like, you know, irregular menstrual bleeding, so um, spotting between periods, periods that also come maybe too close together. So you you're really feel like you're on your period the whole month, really, uh, because you barely have a break. Pelvic pain. Some individuals with fibroids can experience this constant dull pelvic ache or a sharp, intense pain, especially during menstruation. Frequent urination. This is a big one I've seen. Large fibroids sometimes press against the bladder, and this can lead to increased urinary frequency and urgency um, and even cause issues with being able to go to the bathroom properly. I had a client who was like that, who actually was a guest on this podcast, whose fiber was so big she was literally hospitalized almost every single month to have the urine removed from her bladder. It was very intense. And thankfully, um, as she went through the Hormone Balancing Academy, it normalized. She was able to drink water and go to the bathroom as normal. If you have difficulty emptying the bladder, like I just mentioned, um, sometimes the fibers can obstruct the bladder, which causes difficulty with emptying it fully. You want to look out for constipation or difficulty with bowel movements. Fibroids pressing on the rectum can result in constipation, but also I've seen a lot of women with fibroids experience constipation because of uh, their hormonal imbalance. Um, And they literally, many women with fibroids have high levels of beta-glucuronidase, which is this enzyme that then causes the recirculation of estrogen and also can lead to not being able to go to the bathroom properly. So we always want to deal with that when we see that in our fibroid clients so that they can be getting rid of that excess hormone through the bowel movements like they're supposed to. And abdominal enlargement or swelling. This is a big major one. A lot of women with fibroids, let's say they were, they don't have the heavy bleeding or they don't have some of these other symptoms, but they feel like they have this like pooch that won't go anywhere and they think it's just excess weight or something. Their abdominal swelling, they think they're just bloated But large fibroids or cluster fibroids can also cause your abdomen to enlarge or appear swollen, resembling sometimes even a pregnancy. We've had clients who looked three months pregnant um, or or lesser than that um, just from their fibroids. So you want to pay attention to that. If you're noticing like, this isn't normal for me, all of a sudden it feels like I have this kind of like, and it doesn't respond to exercise, that might be something you want to get an ultrasound and just make sure you do not have fibroids. If you're having back aches or leg pains, rarely, but sometimes fibroids pressing on nerves can cause back aches or leg pains. And then infertility. Um, and while most women with fibroids can conceive, some can sometimes 
experience difficulty becoming pregnant or have recurrent miscarriages. And sometimes this has to do also with the location of the fibroid as well. Um, So very, very important. If you've had multiple miscarriages, you can't really quite figure it out and you haven't identified fibroids yet, maybe it's a good idea to get an ultrasound and just make sure. All right. Now, another thing sometimes people don't think about when it comes to managing, reversing hormonal imbalance, dealing with fibroids is xenoestrogens um, and environmental factors. Xenoestrogens are synthetic chemicals or environmental compounds that can mimic the effects of natural estrogen in the body. They're often referred to as foreign estrogens because they're not produced by the endocrine system, but they can bind to your estrogen receptors and exert estrogenic effects. And they can be found in various everyday products that you probably have all over your bathroom. (laughs) Um, And they've raised concerns because of their potential impact on hormonal balance and health. The mechanisms by which xenoestrogens disrupt endocrine function and potentially contribute to conditions like fibroids and estrogen dominance are pretty complex, but the mimicry of estrogen can lead to an imbalance in that hormone signaling pathway and disrupt normal hormonal feedback loops and also interfere with the regulation of the menstrual cycle and other hormonal processes. So when those disruptions happen, that can in turn contribute to the development or the exacerbation of conditions like fibroids and estrogen dominance. So xenoestrogens can be found in a bunch of places. So you can find them in environmental pollutants, so pesticides, herbicides, industrial chemicals, phthalates. Those are found in plastics, cosmetics, personal care products. Um, Bisphenol A is found in some plastics and food containers. There are certain plant-based foods that have some natural compounds with estrogenic effect like soy people know about. Um, But, you know, soy is one of those things where for some people it's great, for other people it's not. I have found that for me personally, soy is not my friend. But, you know, other people, they might be okay. Hormone disrupting chemicals. Some chemicals used in food packaging and processing can leach into the food and then have estrogenic properties. And these xenoestrogens may disrupt hormonal balance and contribute to, again, conditions associated with estrogen dominance like fibroids, which can contribute to their growth. So it's really, really important to take a look at that. And also important to take note that not everyone exposed to xenoestrogens will develop fibroids or experience fibroid-related symptoms. And the impact can definitely vary amongst individuals. It's just something to really pay attention to if you're constantly using plastics, if you haven't really detoxed your kitchen and your bathroom, it may be time to go ahead and do that and just make sure you are not introducing on a regular basis um, a bunch of stuff that is going to disrupt your hormone function, okay? We've talked about this before, but managing fibroids naturally in a holistic way, really it's about looking at a holistic approach. Uh, When you're looking at a holistic approach, you're going to have to look at diet. You're going to have to look at lifestyle changes, stress reduction, super important, detoxification, especially considering, you know, optimizing liver functioning, which is really essential for clearing estrogen from the body. Things that can be also really helpful um, besides what I just mentioned is also like acupuncture. Those acupuncture can be super helpful um, in unblocking, you know, stuck chi throughout your body, any places that you've, you have stagnation of energy, um, which can also help with the hormonal, your, your hormones just becoming more balanced. So you have to look at the total picture. You have to look at how much stress is in my life. What's, what am I eating? 
Am I taking synthetic hormones? That's a big one. Um, is my body able to detoxify? Do I have methods of exercise that are helpful for me and not also putting me in a chronic fight or flight kind of stressed out state? Are my relationships healthy or are they inducing trauma that could contribute to this issue? So really all of those things become relevant questions to ask yourself when you're trying to address fibroids naturally. All right, all right. Well, I hope that you've gained even more insight into dealing with fibroids from a holistic perspective and some other factors that you may have not thought about. Remember, the path to managing fibroids naturally is a dynamic journey, and it really demands personal commitment and self-care. But the good news is it is possible. We have had countless women shrink their fibroids in our Hormone Balancing Academy. And our guest today is going to talk more about his experience helping women shrink fibroids. So it is possible and you just have to put your mind, uh, you know, get your mind right. And also make sure you're not out here wasting your time on a bunch of resources that are not going to help you. Because so many people, I feel where they fall short is they're trying things haphazardly, but not trying the right combination of things for the concerted period of time that it takes to actually get a result. So I highly recommend you save yourself the time, partner with a practitioner that can help you really, really hone in on this is a protocol that is you know, specific to me and can get me to my goal. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we are going to delve deeper into the exciting realm of healing fibroids naturally with our amazing guest. Are you a woman struggling with horrible periods, fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, infertility, or unsavory menopausal symptoms? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And in my Hormone Balancing Academy, me and my team can help you approach any hormonal challenge you are facing from a holistic perspective. Don't take my word only for it. Here's a snippet from a recent client whose fibroid shrunk after following my recommendations. Um, come to find out my fibroid shrunk to a 1.5. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I was so happy and grateful to God and Asosa and, you know, just her program really. Outside of my fibroid shrinking, I am off of chicken, so I don't do meat. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> and I don't do dairy. Don't, you know, we don't do that anymore. And my weight is steadily at a 101 pounds as of today so my weight did go up um so i'm really happy with you know with my results i'm really grateful to you know to god and to to asos and her her raw girl program and i highly 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 recommend you sign up for raw girl you won't regret it just in case you missed it, head on back to season six and hear more of the amazing glow up stories from women who have overcome infertility, normalized incessant periods, and much more. If you or someone you know are interested in reaching your hormonal health goals with support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a free 20 minute call and a member of our team will talk to you. Until then, stay healthy and happy.
Today's guest is Dr. Alan Warshawski, author of the book, Healing Fibroids Naturally, A Doctor's Cure. Although conventionally trained, he is a leader in the field of integrative holistic medicine treating men, women, and teens. In practice for over 35 years, Dr. Warshawski's practice combines the best of conventional medicine with the latest in integrative holistic modalities. Dr. Warshawski is a board-certified OBGYN, but no longer practices OB or does surgery. He's a founding diplomat and director emeritus of the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine, a member of the American Holistic Medical Association, the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and a respective member of the Board of Zymogen Advisors. He was a founding physician and director of the women's program at Beth Israel's Continuum Center for Health and Healing in New York City from 2000 to 2003. Dr. Wachowski's practice covers many areas of medicine and healing, and some of them include the following, bioidentical hormones for men and women, fibroid tumors of the uterus, adrenal and thyroid metabolic assessments, food allergies, weight loss, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, chronic disease, PCOS and endometriosis, menopause, andropause, and optimal aging. Thank you, Dr. Alan Warshawski, for joining me today on Staying Ageless. I'm super excited to have you back on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I always appreciate being able to talk about these topics. Yeah, no, I think that your work is super important. It was super helpful for me when I found your book, um, just to confirm what I was already doing. And I, I, um, uh, I've had a lot of really great success since then, helping a lot of people dealing with fibroids. And, and I really think that what you cover in your book, everyone should read it. Like if anyone is dealing with fibroids, go get his book. I have it right here, Healing Fibroids. A Doctor's Natural Cure. Please go get it, please. Um, so um, I wanted to, in this interview, so for those of you who haven't uh, wa- listened to the first interview, we're going to link it in the show notes. And I really think you should go back and listen to that because we kind of go over the fundamentals about like what are fibroids, all that stuff. And this one, I kind of wanted to go into other things that you talk about in your book that I think are super important. I want to start with, uh, I want to start with just, when it comes to fibroids and like liver detoxification, why is that important? Like, what is it about the liver and and hormone health that we need to be paying attention to? Well, when we're thinking about fibroids or or really any other chronic condition, and when I wrote that book, you know, a colleague of mine said I could have written that book about anything because the the issues that we talk about will affect the entire body and any kind of chronic condition, fibroids just being one of them. So I, I really look at fibroids as an indicator of other things not working well in the body. Now, mm. we know that for fibroids, you know, inflammation will, will grow fibroids uh, and environmental toxicity will grow mm. fibroids. And, and they do this because both inflammation and environmental toxins will affect the production of certain proteins, growth proteins. Mm. When it's called vascular uh, growth protein, it grows blood vessels. Fibroids or any other tumor can't grow unless they're nourished. And if there's an increase in this vascular growth factor, that's going to grow. It's going to nourish the fibroid. And, And we know that from studies that inflammation will increase this growth factor. Another growth factor, and we measure these in in labs, you know, so another growth factor is this transforming growth factor. 
And this doesn't increase the, the muscle cells. So the fibroid we talked about last time are composed of uh, uterine muscle cells. Yeah. And they start growing, um, you know, independent of uh, other factors so they can get large. The transforming growth factor doesn't grow the muscle cells. Uh, it grows the connective tissue around the muscle cells. So ah. if, if transforming growth factor goes up, you're going to get larger and harder fibroids because the connective tissue, the collagen, and other proteins are increasing. And good studies show that transforming growth factor will increase with environmental toxins. One that we look at specifically these days is mold. So hmm. mold, mold toxicity, we're seeing a wow. lot of uh, more mold toxicity because of climate change. So we're seeing much more wet weather. Um, and we're also seeing more dry weather. So it's not just water that increases mold. It's also the wildfires that we see out on the West Coast in Canada and now through Europe. You know, these wildfires are not just burning down healthy trees. They're burning down decaying trees. And in these decaying trees, you're growing mold and fungus. So when the air quality is bad because of, you know, the smoke, you know, traveling across the country or across the continent, we're now breathing in these mold toxins. So we're, and, and hmm. we live in a toxic soup, you know, so yeah. the studies are showing <clears throat> that babies cord blood, when a baby is born and they take a sample of the baby's cord blood, there's over a hundred toxins, environmental toxins in that cord blood originally. Wow. You know, you may or not believe in original sin, but you have to believe in original toxicity. Right. So, so any way that we could lower toxicity levels is going to not only affect uh, the growth of fibroids, but what we call our toxic burden, you know, our toxic load. Uh, the more toxins we accumulate, you know, the, the worse the aging process and the more chronic disease we have. So yeah. we need a healthy liver. So it comes back to the liver is really the main detoxifying organ. Yeah. And we need a healthy liver to be able to, um, you know, eliminate these toxins. You know, and it's not yeah. just the liver. We need to be able to, you know, uh, you know, have healthy kidney function. So we eliminate toxins through the stool. And I see maybe half the patients that I work with are constipated. They're not having yes, regular bowel movements. Yeah. So, you know, even if your liver is working well and you're moving your toxins into the gut to be eliminated, if you're not having a regular bowel movement, and, you know, I ask people about this all the time, are you having regular bowel movements? Maybe, you know, maybe they say yes. And then I ask them, well, what does that mean to you? Right. They say, well, I, I go three times a week. Right. But that's not that's not healthy. It right. Needs to be every day. Right. So if we're not doing that every day, these toxins go right back to the liver. And now the liver is our protein factory. That's where we make all these growth proteins. The liver is now getting overwhelmed and is making more of these proteins that again are driving inflammation, driving these growth factors, driving the growth of fibroids. So wow. You know, these days, one of the, the first thing that I work with in, in a patient who has fibroids or any other chronic condition 
is we do a liver cleanse. Yes. We want to get the liver working uh, well because if the liver is not working and the gut's not working, nothing works. You know, so, I mean, Hippocrates back in, I think it was 500 BC, said that life and death begins in the gut. And, and this is still true today. So, you know, so liver, you need to work on detoxification. And, you know, maybe half the population has some genetic defect in their ability, right. in their ability to detoxify. So right. we, we check irregularly um, um, uh, DNA like mutation. MTHFR? MTHFR. Yeah. We look yeah, at MTHFR, you know, because uh, this is a, a gene that allows you to uh, what we call methylate. So yeah. it's a simple process. You take a methyl group, which is a carbon with three hydrogens, and you use that. So carbon is special. It has a fourth docking point. So on that fourth docking point, you could attach a toxin. Right. If you can't methylate, you're, you're not detoxifying. Right. Uh, so we check methylation, um, you know, and, you know, maybe a third to a half of the population is going to have a methylation defect that, you know, you could work with as long as you know about it, because if you give them methylation support, that looks like uh, methyl folic acid or methyl B12, um, you know, that could help them in terms of being able to eliminate these these toxins. I love it. I was listening to you and I was like, you know, I've never heard this thing about the growth proteins and what it makes me, that makes me think that also that's why for a lot of people, um, animal protein and dairy, when it's especially not a great source, could contribute to the growth of fibroids for some people, or at least not make it better. What do you think about that? What do well, you again, you know, it's, um, you know, sensitive, you know, sense food sensitivities are different than food allergies. You mm -hmm. know, if you, to, if you go to an allergist, they're going to do skin testing. They're looking for a certain protein called IgE. So mm -hmm. this is one of the immunoglobulins, you know, people know a little bit about these immunoglobulins these days because of COVID. So you do a COVID test, you measure IgG, IgM. These are immunoglobulins that the body makes in, in relationship to things it gets. Um, the um, food uh, allergies are just IgE uh, related. So this is like the immediate reactions. So, you know, you eat a strawberry, you get hives. It's not hard to figure out. But the more significant reactions, we call these sensitivities, these are affecting different immunoglobulins like IgG, and these are creating inflammation. Inflammation. It's causing yeah. inflammation because of, again, what's going on in the gut. You mm -hmm. know, so I would say that close to 100% of women who have fibroids have what we call leaky gut. Right. So leaky gut now means that, um, you know, the intestinal barrier is not working well. So the right. intestinal barrier is our main barrier between the outside world and our inner body. And it's supposed right. to keep a lot of things out. But when that barrier breaks down, now you've got proteins that are not supposed to come through the gut wall leaking through. And your mm -hmm. immune system, which is about 80% of it, just sits right outside the gut waiting mm -hmm. to see what comes through. The immune system sees this these proteins 
and now thinks they're uh, invaders, bacteria, viruses. So it gets attacked. The immune system is now attacking these proteins from food. Gluten and dairy are the two worst. Yeah. So not only do gluten and dairy, uh, they're very acidic, they're very inflammatory. You know, gluten in this country is all genetically modified. You yeah. know, so it's being contaminated with Roundup or glyphosate, which has been shown to be a carcinogen. So all that stuff aside, people eat gluten, dairy, and other foods, and they're creating a chronic inflammatory state. So this goes right back to, you know, making those growth proteins. Chronic inflammation is going to yeah. drive the production of growth proteins. You know, if you have, and, and inflammation will affect us where our weak spots are. Right. So if you have a tendency for fibroids, you have a genetic tendency, this inflammation is going to grow your fibroids. Right. So we, we need to work on the gut. You know, I, there, you know, there are good food sensitivity panels that we do. There are tests that could evaluate for leaky gut. We do these tests because again, you need to clean up the gut. Otherwise you have a, so you could take out the fibroid and I've seen mm -hmm. women who've had the, you know, three, four myomectomies, Me too. uterine artery embolizations, and they just come back. You just you know, come six back, months yeah. later, they're right back to square one. You yeah. Know, because you're not, you're not working on the underlying issues. Yes. No, yeah. I love it. Um, what happens to when they shrink? So we've actually help women shrink fibroids, or at least like, you know, they've reduced in size. We, we, we get the ultrasound back. Okay. It went from 4.83 to like one something, or I've had clients who look like they were three months pregnant. By the time we're done, their stomach is flat. So we know, okay, it's going down like different things. But I'm like, what? Someone asked me that question. I said, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to ask Dr. <laughs> um, is it that the blood supply, what, what is happening that actually, when they actually shrink? I, I I wish I can tell you the the exact answer. I think it's a combination of things. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's certainly about lowering inflammation. Okay. So lowering inflammation lowers the pro the growth protein that's uh, feeding the fibroid. It's it's uh, it's detoxification. So it's helping to eliminate these mold toxins and other toxins that we know are driving these other growth factors. So that's a significant piece of this. Um, my belief is also that there are um, other mind-body issues associated with the growth of fibroids. Yes. So, you know, so we're energy beings. You know, we look solid. You know, you touch us, we feel solid. But, you know, from a quantum physics perspective, we're mostly empty space. Yes. So, and we're mostly energy. Yeah. Uh, and energy, you know, if it's healthy, needs to move. Uh, yeah. Energy gets blocked up, and this comes a lot from uh, Chinese, you know, medicine. Chinese, Chinese medicine, five element theory. You know, when when energy stagnates, it 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 solidifies. And this comes from you know Einstein's famous equation: E equals mc squared. Energy and mass are related. You know, through speed of light. So moving energy. You don't get a lot of mass. Energy not moving, you get more mass. So mm -hmm. there are things that could block energy, especially in the pelvic area. So, you know, I, I you know, if I think the patient is amenable to it, I'll talk to them about 
the chakras, the seven energy centers in the body, and how each energy center has its own, um, you know, uh, energy signature. Um, and pelvic energy, second chakra energy, uh, is related to relationship. Yes. So not just people, but their, your relationship to the entire outside world. Could be jobs, could be finance. Uh, it's creative issues, you know. So what's in your life that you don't want? You know, yes. what's not in your life that you do want? Yes. And, and it's any of the, the abusive issues. And certainly we know women in our society go through, uh, a, a, you know, a, a definite amount of abuse. So these issues... These issues are sitting right in the pelvic area. Now, one years ago, uh, somebody accused me of blaming women for their fibroids. It has nothing to do with blame. You know, no. we, all, we all store emotional energy in different parts of our body. Yes. You, you see people with hardened hearts and when people walking with the weight of the world on their shoulders. So the, these emotional issues, these stored issues that aren't being addressed so very often a woman has had a termination and she hasn't addressed the issues of having that termination and it's sitting in the pelvis. And yeah. we start talking about this and I have a tissue box right next to my you know, chair because this is now bringing up these emotions. So it's not just, you know, we can talk about fibroids from a physical perspective. Oh, it's hormones, it's inflammation, it's environmental mm -hmm. toxins, but it's also stored emotional issues that are blocking the energy movement in those channels called meridians. Yes. So that's why acupuncture helps. It helps to break down the blockages in the meridians. So when I teach patients how to do castor oil packs, which we use a lot of, you know, yeah. uh, and there are many reasons for the castor oil pack. It's anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. you, you can create a mind-body visualization exercise. Yeah. And you could be aware of the stored emotional stuff that can come up during the pack. And journaling has been shown to be an effective technique in helping to eliminate these stored emotional issues. So you yeah. asked me why some women can have their fibroid shrink and why others don't. And they're doing the same kind of a protocol. It's really how how much of a commitment that they have and how deep they can get into issues. Uh, mm. So it's always, you know, like the peeling the layers of the onion. You know, you yeah. can peel off the top layers and you can get a little bit of an effect, but if you can go deeper, you get a better effect. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's it's really great that it's in your book as well. Like, I mean, I see so many women who have been molested, right? all this other stuff, they have stored trauma. They have a lot of like, you know, emotion abuse or stored trauma and they end up with fibroids later and it's unaddressed, like you said, it's unaddressed. And then that energy is like in that area and then it manifests as fibroids or whatever it is, you know? Um, so yeah, I really do think that the emotional healing component is super important as well. And I'm really glad that you, that you brought that up. Is there any, do you believe that there's a fibroid that's too big to shrink naturally? Like, is there a certain point where you're like, you know, we can do the holistic work, but I think that you need to also get it surgically removed and do the holistic work so it doesn't grow back? Well, that's, you know, that's why the the book is called a natural, you know, a, a natural cure, because sometimes the cure involves taking out the fibroid. 
because many women will come in and they are adamant about not having surgery. Right. Don't want to have surgery. They've been suffering with these fibroids for years, sometimes decades. Uh, They want to try to get into menopause. They're in their mid forties. They think they have a few more years, but they look like they're, you know, nine months pregnant. Yeah, they've got 10, 12, 16 centimeter fibroids that are growing above their belly button. You know, they they look pregnant. And, you know, sometimes through the work we do and those fibroids, you know, they may get a little smaller. They may get a little softer by doing this work. But even even techniques like uh, uterine artery embolization and these other kinds of destructive techniques called myolysis, breaking down the muscle cells mm. fibroid, at best, they may shrink a fibroid by 30 to 50%. You know, wow. So if, you have, if you have a 10 centimeter fibroid and you get a 30% shrinkage by a myolysis procedure, it's still a big fibroid. I mean, yeah. about volume. Maybe, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the larger it is, the much more difficult it is to get a significant shrinkage. But in doing this kind of work, you know, the 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 patient can come to the and you know, and it's a lot of the mind body stuff. It's mental, yeah. It's it's the also mental. Stuff. I've noticed that. Right. Yeah. And they come to the realization that yes, it's time for me to take this out. I've done the work, I've gotten so much information about it. You know, I, I want to remove it to give me a better quality of life but I also want to prevent it from growing back. Yeah. So it's nothing is lost. It's still a cure. It's still a natural cure. You right. The fibroid, you've, you've listened to the message of the fibroid, you know, so part of, you know, the castor oil pack is also, you know, you know, bringing healing, loving energy into the pelvis. So right. by doing a, you know, you know, meditation, we do a meditation called freeze frame. Uh, which was created by a group called HeartMath. And it's basically breathing in through the energy of the heart into the rest of your body. So heart energy is fourth chakra, which is the energy of unconditional love. So you're breathing in through the energy of unconditional love into some place in your body that needs healing. And during during the casserole pack session, you're breathing this healing, loving energy right into your fibroid. So you know, many women, you know, go through their lives, you know, go through these years, you know, frustrated, fearful, angry, you know, this is the energy they're carrying around in the pelvis related to the fibroid. Right. We change that, we change that to energy of gratitude. Right. So now you're breathing in this gratitude because the fibroid is alerting you that there are these imbalances and the the fibroid has now done its job. So you're thanking the fibroid for doing its job and you're working on it now so it could go. It's done its work. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a, a major piece of, of the work that we do. Um, and, you know, I, I even, you know, if, you know, even if a woman decides she needs to do the surgery, take out the fibroid, it still becomes uh, part of the healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. And I've seen people with larger fibroids and they do shrink, but some people mentally just are like, I can't take this anymore. So let me do the holistic work. And then I'll, you know, I'll have a surgery, which is fine. You know, some it's different strokes for different folks. (laughs) 
Exactly. You know, it it, it is what it is. It's um it's so interesting. I I've been seeing a lot more of and I, I guess it's also to a lot of women sort of who still have fibroids and they're sort of in that perimenopause kind of phase. I've been seeing a lot more of like adrenal issues and fibroids. Can you talk about that? Have you seen that? Is that a thing? What is, um, yeah, what has been your experience with adrenals? And Yeah, well, again, in, you know, from my perspective and from a holistic or functional med- medical perspective, everything is connected. Yes. Mind, body, spirit, they're all connected. You know, you go to conventional doctors, they're all looking at their specialty. You know, you see an endocrinologist, you see, you know, for your thyroid, you see an, a gastroenterologist for the gut, you know, you, you, you see somebody else from muscular issues. So, you know, from our perspective, it's all connected. And the adrenal glands are your stress glands. Yeah. So they're the modulator of how stress is affecting your body. Yes. And, you know, all of these issues that we've already mentioned, you know, certainly the gut issues, bringing chronic inflammation, the toxicity issues affecting the liver. This is all affecting the adrenal glands as well. And the adrenal glands are kind of, they're, they're deciding where the energy goes. You know, so if you have a, a, a you know, a, like a, a class five hurricane going through a community and you got all the houses ripped up and, you, you know, you're not going to start fixing street signs. Right. You know, you're going to take care of the primary issues. So when the adrenal glands have this hurricane of toxicity and inflammation coming through, you know, things shut down. They shut down thyroid function. They shut down ovarian function. They try to keep your brain, your heart, your kidney, your liver. They, you know, the adrenal glands are responsible for keeping the important areas working. Right. But there's a price to be paid because to do that, you know, they're driving, you know, they're keeping the adrenal hormones going, cortisol, adrenaline. And these are hormones of stress. These are stress hormones. And when the adrenal glands are constantly in stress mode, not only do the other hormones, the thyroid function goes down, so there's a lot of fatigue issues, there's more constipation, there's dryness issues, there are mood issues, you know, so and then ovarian issues. So the estrogens go up, the progesterone goes down, we get imbalances that way. So it's not only that the adrenals are, you know, trying to prioritize, they're also shutting down other vital uh, functions and driving chronic inflammation. So mm. there's an, an acute increase in adrenal hormones. It shuts down inflammation. But mm-hmm. when it becomes chronic, it's like the cells no longer listen. Same thing with mm. insulin resistance. So with insulin mm. resistance, insulin's message to the cell is, let's get the sugar out of the bloodstream. But right. as inflammation, the cells stop listening. So you need more and more insulin, and it creates more and more inflammation. Same thing happens with cortisol. So the, the message of cortisol is let's let's shut down inflammation. But the cells stop listening when it's a chronic kind of um, uh, exposure. There's a you know a book I, I give people a uh, it's become like a four page book list. I keep adding to it. Um, and there's a book, an old book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. You okay. Know, it's basically about the zebra running from the lion. You know, when that zebra is running from the lion, it's in what we call fight or flight. 
Yeah. So it's an adrenal response, putting out cortisol and adrenaline. If the zebra escapes from the lion, it immediately starts nibbling some grass. So the zebra can go from fight or flight to what we call rest and digest and repair immediately. Right. So it shuts down the uh, fight or flight response. We, on the other hand, if we're running from the mugger in New York City, and if we escape, do we just do we go have a leisurely lunch? No. We sit down and worry. We worry about the next time. Is it going to bring yeah. a friend? Is it going to have a gun? Are we going to trip on the sidewalk? So we stay in fight or flight. Mm. This is, again, driving that chronic inflammatory response and increasing inflammation. Mm. Meditation of any kind. You know, I tell people meditation, many of them get frightened because they think it's some big, complicated, you know, commitment. But I explain to them that meditation is just finding a way of being in the moment. So when we're worried about the, or anxious about the future or regretting about the past, we're, we're in stress mode. And yes. the studies show we spend 90% of our day in stress. And yes. that's exhausting and inflammatory. But if you can find a way of getting into the moment, that changes everything. So I, I, in my office, I have all of these sayings and expressions <clears throat> on the walls and everywhere, everywhere else. And there's one that says, no amount of worry changes the future. No amount of regret changes the past. But any amount of gratitude changes the present moment. So meditation is just about finding a way of being in the moment. That expression, stop and smell the roses. Stop all this thinking. Appreciate what's around you. So this is a major tool and something that I, you know, try to teach myself on a regular basis and everybody else because we live in a very stressed out society at this point. Totally. Yes. Totally. And this totally. is driving chronic disease. Totally. Besides the lifestyle stuff of like getting people to, you know, incorporate mindfulness and maybe look at the stress in their lives. Like what are the other things that someone can do to support their adrenals? Well, there, you know, the, the vitamins that they are most important for adrenal glands are C, vitamin C, B complex and magnesium. So these are what we call the water soluble nutrients. You take them and then you urinate, they're gone. So they usually need to be taken twice a day. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, primates and guinea pigs are the only two mammals that don't make vitamin C. And mm -hmm. they've done, you know, rat studies. They throw a rat in a bucket of water, make it swim to the side, and then they measure its vitamin C. And it's making about it as if we were taking like 10,000 milligrams. So mm. with stress, with stress, you know, you want to increase your C, you want to increase B complex, and you want to increase magnesium because these are being lost. You're old overutilizing them right and then there are you know what we call adrenal adaptogens yes so they're helping your adrenal glands to adapt to the outside world so probably the one i use mostly these days is ashwagandha it's one of the okay ayurvedic herbs sometimes it's called indian ginseng yes it, it, it it's a good adaptogen it helps to support hormones so the adaptogens help to reduce some of the negative effects of stress, you know, whether it's yeah. foggy headedness or, you know, insomnia issues. Um, 
And ashwagandha also helps the adrenal glands connect more with the thyroid. So mm. adrenal glands will try to shut down thyroid function by various uh, metabolic changes. Ashwagandha helps to reduce that. So it keeps mm. your thyroid working well uh, at the same time. Uh, other other ones like uh, Siberian ginseng or rhodiola. Um, I love rhodiola. <laughs> yeah, rhodiola, and they're good studies, especially on uh, students, students yeah. who are studying for exams and are stressed out. So you may know all the information, but then you worry that you don't. And right. just worry that you don't, you know, doesn't allow you to make those connections in your brain. So you right. don't do well on your exam, not because you didn't know it, but because you couldn't connect because of all the worry. So rhodiola has actually shown uh, in good studies to reduce that effect in students. Um, Panix ginseng or Korean ginseng is one I use more for men because mm. I find it overstimulating for uh, for women. Women, yeah. So they get anxious. I've noticed that. So I, I use much more of the Siberian ginseng, Eleutherococcus, and, okay. uh, and the rhodiola, and and they're also uh, adrenal uh, glandulars. Yeah, so companies that put out glandulars. So it's basically the adrenal gland of an animal. Usually, it's a you know um, a cow or 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 a beef uh, uh, adrenal gland, and it's just basically removing the hormone, but yeah. the rest of the nutrients to support the adrenal gland function. Some people are so um, adrenal deprived, adrenal stressed, that they're not making any adrenal hormones. They're not making, you can go from making too much and with continued stress, make not enough. And these are people who are always exhausted. Yeah. Even, if they, even if they sleep, they wake up, they're exhausted. Uh, and, and these people can be given, you know, safe doses of natural, natural cortisol hormone. Hmm. So, you know, we do that. Um, you know, when necessary. What do you think about supplementing DHEA? It's, uh, you know, DHEA and pregnenolone are uh, two adrenal hormones. And, you know, when there's more adrenal stress, you lose these. These are precursor hormones to the steroid hormones. So to estrogen, yes. testosterone, and they also make the stress hormones. So they also make cortisol. Cortisol, yeah. pregnenolone. So if these are low, you need to work on your adrenal glands, but these are also anti-inflammatory. So we use a lot of uh, pregnenolone and DHEA. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. When, when those levels are low. I recently um, had a patient come across, or, or we actually was doing research because she wanted me to see if I could find like other alternative treatments to the surgeries and stuff, in addition to all the other work that we're doing. And I came across the Sonata treatment. Have you heard of that? Right. What do you so think these, about that? These, these are some of the, so it's a transcervical radio ablation. So you can put an instrument in through the cervix and dest destroy the interior of the fibroid. So mm. these are all these myolysis procedures. I think the first one was the exablate, which was uh, uh, an abdominal um, MRI-guided ultrasound, again, to destroy the interior of the fibroid. They use laser uh. therapy, electrotherapy. Uh, there's another one called the Assessa, which is another radio frequency ablation technique. So, you know, these are some of the techniques that I mentioned earlier that get about a 30 to 50% reduction 
in the size of the fibroid. They don't, they don't disappear completely. Right. Uh, especially if you have a fibroid that's in within the cavity of the uterus that's, you know, causing a lot of bleeding issues, you know, the Sonata, you know, procedure may be a good one to look at. But, you know, you may also just want to do a hysteroscopic resection of that submucosal fibroid. So mm. it's also a transcervical procedure that, you know, in the right hands can take out that one fibroid that's creating a lot of problems. You mm. know, fibroids are mostly benign. You know, there is a small percentage, especially in older women, that could be malignant. Um, but they're mostly benign and they only need to be removed if they're causing problems. And those three main problems, I would say, would be uh, pressure pain. Uh, bleeding and excessive growth. So yeah, those are the things we like to get controlled uh, as soon yeah. as we can. Yes, love it, love it. I think I think I think I ran out of <laughs> I ran out of questions. No, this has been really, really, really helpful. Um, do you have any last? Do you have any last words of wisdom for anyone who is struggling with fibroids and feels like there's no hope? or, you know, they don't know what to do about it? Well, the the message I get from, I would say, 90% or more of the patients I work with is that, you know, they read the book and it gave them hope. Um, you're right, because, you know, the, it seems hopeless for so many women, um, either, either at 35 or 40, do a hysterectomy. Uh, you don't need your uterus anymore is the message that so many women get. You know, but if you look at the fibroid as a kind of a gift that you've been given, yeah. uh, it's in a you know a way of you getting some control over the issues in your life, um, and it's it's much more than just your hormones. It's uh, you know all these things that we're talking about. If you look at it from that perspective, and you have a commitment to self nurturing, so you love yourself, you have to have a sense of unconditional love for yourself. And mm. to me, that's a commitment to self-nurturing and what I call non-judgmental self-awareness. Mm. It goes back to the stored emotional issues. You want to be aware of what you're holding on to, but not judge yourself for it. Yeah. So I think the, you know, my the most important message I could I could share is that if you love yourself and you're committed to your healing, and you're not judging yourself, you know, you'll get something positive out of dealing with the fibroid. Whether or not you need to have it removed, you, your life will be, um, you know, uh, supported and um, enhanced uh, by dealing with this, uh, this fibroid. I, I love that. I love that because it, a lot of times the question we have to ask ourselves is what is this illness or what is this issue? teaching me what is what is it here to tell me about my life or about things changes I need to make I love that everybody go get healing fibroids a doctor's guide to a natural cure very awesome book um Dr. Wachowski where can people find you online uh my my website is dralan.com so you know a l l a n and um you know from the website they can connect with me um in in the office um, I do, uh, you know, I do speak with patients all the time to, to determine whether or not we would be a good fit. So I can, you know, I do a five or a 10 minute, 
you know, just a brief consultation just to go over the issues and, um, you know, help, help somebody determine if they want to work with us. Um, I work with women uh, all and men, but uh, for fibroids, I work with women all over the world. I have patients in Dubai and Australia and, you know, UK. And so we, we work with women, uh, you know, all over the world, many from, um, from the Middle East. And I think that, again, mm. brings up the issue of environmental toxicity. We know there are right. a lot of environmental toxins in that part of the world. Right. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of virtual work. So, yeah, you know, you're where you are does not does will not interfere with the the work that we could do together. Awesome. I'm I'm when you just said that it made me realize why because I have a lot of clients all over the world too, but a lot in Africa. I'm I'm Nigerian, um, and I spend a lot of time in different parts of Africa: Sierra Leone, Nigeria, South Africa, and I noticed there's a, especially in West Africa, there's a ton of fibroids issues. And I think it's a combination of the stress, but then I think about the environmental toxicity. I mean, right. the mold is wild in Sierra Leone because of the raining season, you know? So the mold is everywhere. Um, in Nigeria, it's like the stress, the inflammation, the environmental toxicity, political drama, general stress, you know? So I can see how certain parts of Africa also, because of the environmental toxicity and the stress, it could lead to, to the fibroid growth. Um, very interesting. I'll, I'll just leave you with one other thought. You know, another yeah. environmental toxin that we haven't really mentioned yeah. is, is electromagnetic radiation. Ah, that's and good. So, you know, we, we have uh, moved on from 3G, 4G to 5G technology, and this is increasing EMFs throughout the world. And, you know, no studies yet, but, you know, there are theories that mold toxicity is getting worse because mold is getting affected by the EMFs. Whoa. So, I mean, there, there was, there was a, 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 an article on the front page of the New York Times a couple of months ago. And mm -hmm. the, the New York Times articles, when you see a front page article that you never see again, you, you know that something has, you know, kind of eliminated, you know, that further research. So this was an article, right. the, the U.S. Pilots Association complaining to the airline uh, towers that the 5G was interfering with the altimeters on the plane. Oh my gosh. Right. So, and we never saw, there was never a follow-up article on that. So we know that, that 5G EMF is affecting, you know, uh, machinery. So we know if it's affecting machinery, we know it's affecting us. And, you know, the suspicion is that it's also affecting other, um, you know, beings like mold, which use their toxins as a defense mechanism. Right. Mold toxicity in the last 10 years has become much more of an issue. Very interesting. Are there, do you believe in those? I've heard different people I had a doctor friend who did a whole presentation on this and he was talking about, you know, wearable devices and things that you can wear to, you know, do you, do you, do you subscribe to those or what do you think? I don't have one myself, but, you know, I've read about them. I, you know, I, when I give patients information on EMFs, I give them a couple of uh, links to companies that sell these tachyon devices, you know, and, you know, I leave it up to them. Yeah, yeah. I do have patients who build these uh, kind of Faraday cages around their bed <laughs> because they can't sleep. 
They, yeah, they, I find that turning off the Wi-Fi really, really helps, like not having the Wi-Fi going right. in the evening when I'm trying to sleep, because I noticed it immediately. I couldn't sleep for like, you know, for a while. And I, I, I realized I was near at that time near a tower as well. So when, right. when the switch happened, it was completely disrupting. It was horrible. So I just had to turn off my Wi-Fi. It helps a lot of people. I mean, yeah, there are more some people are just more sensitive than others. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great information. Well, I, I really thank you for coming back. I hope it's not going to be the last time ever and ever. <laughs> whenever, whenever you invite me, I think we always have more to talk about. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your time. And I'm so excited about this podcast. I think it's going to help um, a lot of people. Well, that's my hope as well. So thanks again. You have a great day. You too. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients, 46 antioxidants, and all eight essential amino acids, making it an amazing plant-based source of protein. Every part of the plant could be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face daily, and I use Moringa powder to add my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from a company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part, every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. To date, they have planted over 3 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit truemoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. If you are already a diehard fan or becoming one, this year you have the opportunity to join their True Moringa Challenge and get free Moringa oil for a year, $104 in value. Customers who have used their oil say it helps to bring their skin back into balance, deeply moisturize, and minimize signs of premature aging. All you have to do is follow at The Raw Girl and at True Moringa on Instagram and email us at media at therawgirl.com with before and after photos or videos of your skin transformation after using the oil along with your story. Don't miss out on the chance to get a full year of product. Can't wait to hear from you. All right, all right, it's time for a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you want your question answered on the show, all you got to do is slide up in my DMs on Instagram at therawgirl.com or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. So today's question is from Eva via Instagram who says, how can I avoid xenoestrogens in my personal care products and makeup? Hi, Eva. Avoiding xenoestrogens and heavy medicals can sometimes be difficult because they're not always listed on the label of every single personal care product, but you can actually um, 
avoid them by doing a few things. So for one, you can choose products that use natural ingredients as much as possible or go to places that are that you know are conscious and ask them about the, you know, the products you're about to buy. You can learn some of the names of things, you know, parabens, different names. You can actually like do some research and learn about the different names, the phthalates and this, this, this. And sometimes they are listed directly on the labels like that. And sometimes they're actually not their code names and different things. But um, there are also, there's also, last but not least, a very, very helpful database by the Environmental Working Group. They have a skin deep cosmetics database um, and it helps you to check for safer personal care products. So I highly recommend you check out their website. You can find that on www.ewg.org. I really hope that that helps you and um, that you are able to clear out that bathroom gel from all the toxic stuff that you might be using. All right, all right. It's time to close out today's expiration. Again, um, of healing fibroids naturally. I really, really hope that you found this session informative, inspiring. I love chatting with Dr. Warshawski. I feel like he drops gems all day. So I really hope that you picked up on some of those and that if you are struggling with fibroids or struggling hormonally, that um, you do have a way forward or you can think of a way forward now to help yourself. And you're going to focus in on, you know, doing that holistic approach, dealing with your diet, dealing with supplements, getting your lifestyle together, all that jazz, getting your stress together. It is very, very possible to um, regulate your hormonal imbalance and actually reduce the size of fibroids using holistic means. And I hope you also pick that up from this episode. Again, if you have not listened to the first episode, please go back because there were so many gems in that one as well. And if you have any questions or you'd like to share your experiences with implementing any of these holistic approaches into your life, please feel free to leave a comment or reach out to me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. Let's keep this dialogue going, okay? Because we are out here to support, provide support for women who are suffering from hormonal imbalance with our Hormone Balancing Academy. And we also want to facilitate more discussions about this because it's, it's really real out here in the streets for a lot of people. Until next time, Stay motivated, continue to make choices that move you towards living your best, healthiest life. Today, I leave you with a quote from Jim Ron: Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you are looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at TheRawGirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, TheRawGirl.com. To watch my free diet training, The Six Keys to Determine Your Ideal Diet, visit therawgirl.com forward slash six ways free class. And to watch my free hormone training, The Secret to Resetting Your Hormones, even if you have fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, or heavy bleeding, visit therawgirl.com forward slash free dash training. For more on this show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. 